Welcome, listener. Join us for this Clear Path to Success professional development podcast. Okay, today we have Robert Yakos on for part two of a two-part series. We had him on a few weeks ago, and we finally are uh, have him back on. Let me get him. Let me get Robert on the line. Okay. Hi, Josh. Robert, there you are. Robert, I'm going to go ahead. Can hey. you hear me? I can hear you. Awesome. I'm going to go ahead and give people a, a rundown, a little summary um, quickly. Uh, part one, we talked about your, uh, you know, the, the trials and tribulations you had with starting your own practice, um, personal health issues, things you overcame, uh, you know, a growing family. And one thing we touched on last episode that, that I'll bring up real quick, um, if everybody, you can go and, and uh, check that episode out. It's, it's just basically Robert, Robert Yalko's part one interview. Um, a few weeks ago, we had it. But one of the things we touched on in that episode was the fact that, you know, you did have moments where you did very well. And you, you thought, hey, I finally got this. I got the hang of this. I'm practicing and I'm, I'm doing well. And I'm, 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 you know, I'm in the black and everything. But I wanted to, uh, you know, go over quickly, Robert, why that maybe wasn't good enough or why that didn't last. Because this happens a lot with people's practices that the practice has to evolve as the practitioner does. Changes happen, families, you know, new responsibilities, you know, changes in, in you know, economic needs and, uh, you know, wants and whatever else. So what what changed with you? If you could just give, give us the basic idea of what happened where you had to, you know, adapt and change and maybe it was good enough for a while, then it wasn't. Can you expand on that? Yeah. Yeah. I think with your practice, it's one of those things where for me, it was I needed to look at how I was doing things and also look at the metrics. And so metrics, I know it's a, a little bit scary for a lot of people, but what I needed to do was kind of look at my practice and say, okay, well, how many practice or how many patients do I need to treat per week in order to make such and such amount of money? Then I had to see, well, do I need to do this? Can I do this on my own? Does that make sense? Do I have to hire people? What, what are all the factors around making that amount of money that, that I want to make or that my family um, wants me to make? And kind of thinking and saying, well, is this the way that I want to practice? Do I want to see at the point where I was at when I was doing more of a, a, a lower-cost community-based uh, model and the reason why I switched is that I needed to see a lot of people all the time in order to make the amount of money that I wanted to earn. And I realized, well, long term, you know, when I first started, I had an abundance of energy. I was like, great, you know, this is great. I want to see as many people as possible. And then I realized over time uh, that, you know, that's a lot of work. It, it, um, I, I was coming home to my family and I was tired all the time. I, I just wanted to go to bed at the end of the day. And so I had to kind of think about my practice and say, well, you know, why am I doing this? Number one is for my family. So am I having the amount of time that, I'm, that I want to have with my family? Yes or no? Am I making the amount of money that I want to make out of practice? Yes or no? Am I doing the things that I love, hobbies, seeing friends, being social, traveling, whatever? Yes or no? And, and also the way that I want to practice. Am I spending enough time with patients? Am I doing the, the, the techniques that I want to do? Yes or no? And based upon that, then I needed a shift. If I didn't have the answers there, then I would seek out um, people that were doing it in a way that I wanted to do it. 
for making money that, that I wanted to make and see how they were doing that. Um, so that, that's basically why I shifted many times. <laughs> well, it's burnout, right? I mean, how many practitioners get burned out? And that doesn't help anyone. That doesn't help your patients. Right. That doesn't help, obviously, your family can't enjoy – you can't enjoy the time with them. They can't enjoy the time with you. You're probably not very – nice to be around maybe <laughs> maybe they right. don't want yeah, to a little, be around. a little irritable at times yeah i would say that would be the case. <laughs> and what's for what you know what's the point you have to really start right. to re reevaluate everything right so so you okay so you decided so for you uh time and and energy really you know uh, were, were the two biggest drivers so you needed to restructure your practice so that you could do as well or better and not and not essentially be burned out is the bottom line, right? Right, exactly. So wh- wh- how long ago did this happen more or less? I mean, I guess it's that's kind of a – it's not an easy question to answer because we, we go through many different changes throughout our careers, and, and you've been at it for a, a little while now. So, um, But when, when was the – when was around the latest change you made and why did you make it? Why did you think it was ideal? Uh, so the latest change that I made? Um, yeah, like is, the, is that, where are you at now, I guess? Yeah, I <laughs> guess it's water mask. It's like, where are you at now and why oh, did you make that change? So I went from being an expansive practice as far as, you know, as, as we talked about on the, the, the first episode, is that I wanted to provide jobs for acupuncturists. I wanted to have and employ as many acupuncturists as possible and have um, front desk and multiple front desks and massage therapists and everything, I got to the point where it became too much. It was too stressful. It was taking my time out, outside of, of the clinic, managing people. I learned that, that there was a lot of weaknesses I had on that side, and I knew that, that my systems of doing so weren't great. They weren't good. And um, I just had to kind of look at me and say, do I really want that? And at that point, or maybe a couple of years ago, I said, no, I don't. Um, I want to do things and I want to figure out a different way. And part of it is when we spoke before was that the orthopedic side of the practice um, became very, very important and it started to change my direction. I didn't want to specialize before and I, I love being a general practitioner, but um, with just life, I started to specialize in orthopedics, um, and partly because of CMTW, a little shout out to you guys there, um, but <laughs> I realized that I wanted to be more of a, a, a specialty clinic, um, but also have a general practice too. Um, so that was the latest shift that I had, and so going with that shift, I had to figure out a whole bunch of processes around that in order to make that happen. But I, for me, one thing that I learned is that I'm not going to spend time figuring things out and overanalyzing things and never get anything done. I realized that, okay, you know, I'm going to set a date and then we got to make it happen. Um, and I know it wasn't going to, or isn't going to be perfect, but I got to make it happen. So essentially I went from a big practice to more of a smaller specialized practice where literally it's just me and, and my front desk at this moment, at this time. Um, my goal is to kind of figure things out so that I can create it a system that I can bring on another employee, bring in a, either a partner down the road or expand out, but in a very organic way. I don't want to do it um, 
and, and dilute the service that I'm trying to create because I'm still exploring and trying to understand this. And I'm also under, uh, doing insurance as well, started in the last year or two. So I want to figure that out, get systems in place so that when I do bring on an associate, it's, it's smooth and it's not as bumpy. It's never going to be perfect. Um, but uh, I want to make sure that that foundation is set there. The insurance, let, let's touch on that insurance quick before I forget. Um, did Massachusetts recently, um, uh, I don't know if it was a law per se, but I mean, maybe it was, but the insurance companies now cover more broadly cover acupuncture in Massachusetts. Is that, is that the case recently? Um, they're more specific, uh, but a lot of insurance plans are doing the Oh, we'll give you 12 sessions per year uh, that, that you can use at, at your leisure for anything. Um, what they'll cover primarily is for pain. Uh, they're starting then to get into uh, a type of thing where if a doctor says, hey, this person needs acupuncture, then, then the insurance will take it. But generally speaking, it, it's for pain, pain relief, pain okay. management. Okay. So um, you made the decision to, to take insurance. What was your know a lot of people's people don't want to take insurance and you know it's understandable it's it's your it's your choice but you decided to what was the biggest driving factor just uh you, you, what, before i even say more what was your driving factor well, well the biggest thing is i saw that, that there's there's writing on the wall you know cash is always king as we know um for any industry but insurance in massachusetts is going to be um, more and more important for people, and they want to use those benefits for that. So, and, and they reimburse at a, a decent rate as well. And so, to being an orthopedic um, side of, uh, of the equation here, they are covering for pain. So, orthopedics, great for pain. So, it's something people want to use their coverage. So, I'm going to start looking at that one. And, and I'm dipping my toe in the water. So, primarily, my, my, my practice is cash and then about 5% of insurance. And I'm not marketing the insurance at all at this point just because I want to make sure that we have the systems in place and that we're not just totally drowning with insurance claims and things along that lines. So, um, so far so good. And, you know, I'm, I'm seeing probably doing about 100 treatments per week, so that's good. And um, nice. more and more, like, I'll, I'll, I'll be doing uh, insurance uh, in the practice. The do you find that with insurance patients it's a great way into your practice so they, they come in, they use their benefits and then you keep them on board? Yeah. Yeah, without a yeah. doubt. Now, I I think of insurance even if it can be a loss leader, it can be a, a bit of marketing as well. Is my my goal in my practice, and we'll, we'll talk about this one later, um, is that I want to get people in the practice get them well and then keep them well pretty simple so mm -hmm. insurance will just pretty much cover the first month or two of treatment in my mind and then they go over to a cash based or cash based payment system so but the primary goal is to show them the value of what acupuncture can do not only helping their symptoms but also for a life of wellness so that's really the key is to convert them over from from insurance over to a cash-based pain thing, and they would want to, um, based on the benefits that they would receive from from this medicine. So, you downsized, you specialized, 
you started to take insurance at least to some degree. Those are a few changes that it sounds like you made. What other changes now? Because that's with with that comes a lot of other changes, <laughs> for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. but a lot of other um, ways to adapt, I guess you could say, or whatever. But systems, right? You had to put systems in place. Right. Right. So, you know, as we just touched upon with the insurance being kind of like a loss leader, you know, it's not, it's a, so you couldn't have a hundred percent insurance based practice and it's a great living. But again, it, you know, if the coverage stops, I want to make sure that they continue and that then they go into cash model. So what I needed to do was make sure that with my practice, I had to look to see what was happening before. So I, as we spoke about before, I had another location, that one over time didn't do well, and eventually I, I closed my doors because it was too stressful and we weren't, um, it wasn't thriving like I wanted it to, to do so. So um, I really and I had to look in the mirror and, and look, at, look at my practice and say, well, you know, practice is a reflection of me, period. Okay, what is working, what's not working, why one practice was having a great retention rate, why another one was not. So. I had to really look at how many visits somebody was coming in and why they were leaving. So the long. Oh, we lost you. Oh, we dropped the Robert. No problem. We'll get him back on. So there'll just be a little bit of a delay. We are talking with Robert, Robert Yakos. He has a practice in Massachusetts. Uh, this is part two of a two-part series discussing uh, Robert's journey through practicing and making changes and, um, you know, everything that he's had to endure and ways he's had to adapt. So we will wait for Robert to call in. You know, there will just be a slight pause here. Maybe he didn't charge the phone. Uh, the battery is uh, didn't charge his phone. Oh, here he is. All right, let me get get it back on. Okay, let's pick up where you left off. So, so one of the things that, that I needed to look at was one of the reasons why that that people were coming in for either they weren't starting care, they were coming in for maybe four to six treatments and then leaving, or they would say, okay, you know, I'm feeling better and the symptoms are gone. But um, I, I want to see how my body does. I understand that there's more to the, the plan of uh, the acupuncture plan that we, we suggested, suggested, but I want to see what either works, whether it's a PT, the acupuncture, whatever, and then they would leave or stop or cu- come back after the fact. That was some of the biggest reasons, not, not to mention time and money as a big reason not to come in for treatment. So the... The reason I had to go back and look at the drawing board is that I realized that the, the patient education process wasn't good um, or good enough to get them to follow through a plan and execute that. So, you know, what I, I really kind of put as a motto um, for everything for the last few years, I would say the last five, is that it's teaching, evaluating, planning, and then repeating, okay, and having a really structured treatment plan along the way so that I could really get people to follow through with the care plan to at least get them uh, to a point where they're out of out of symptom okay or in relief 
And then the, 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 the ultimate is to get them into a wellness care plan. And there's a, there's a reason, a couple of reasons for this. One is that you know, the, the extent, the philosophy, how to agree with my person. And for me, you know, Chinese medicine is amazing for helping people get well when they don't have symptoms. We all know that that's the, one of the strengths of the medicine. So it was one of those things where we needed to educate them and, and tell them that's something that, that we're able to do with this medicine, period. Okay. If they're interested in going there, those, those are two different things. But, you know, we have to change the mindset of not only us but also the, the, the patient because they're just coming in there to fix, quote, unquote, fix a problem. And you fix me. Okay. So what we, we need to do is tell them well, why, okay, so their body is supposed to heal itself on it, be able to heal itself. If symptoms are existing for a long period of time, the body's not doing it well. So we have to tell them why is that that the body's not doing well, okay, what are the imbalances that are there, talk to them in terms that they understand, and then also tell them what Chinese medicine can do, not for everyone, but for them, okay, why it's important for them. What are the imbalances that became so exaggerated that the body started to talk? First it whispers, talks, shouts, and then goes on strike, right? And where <laughs> are they along that process, right? So, and then the last thing that, that, that it was really important is that this medicine returns the body's ability to heal itself to the body. And that is really, really something that I found to be that resonated so well with people and is very important to get across to people, okay? And then what is the steps along the way? What are, how many treatments that it will take in order to get the relief? How many treatments it will take approximately to correct the underlying issue? And then what is the goal of it all is to get into wellness care so that you get treated when you don't have symptoms, right? is to continue uh, it as part of your active, healthy lifestyle, right? And so that was the process, the overview of the process that I wanted to lay out in a systematic way to the patients so that they could understand, you know, what, is, what does this all mean to them, what's happening to them? So it's basically a playbook of their body for them so that they can understand it and be able to tell their friends and family, why they're being treated, and why Chinese medicine is good for, for them if they have an issue as well, right? To talk about the root and the branch, but in a different way that, that is very um, attainable for as many people as possible. So that was, that's kind of like an overview of my process, and I had to figure out on how to do that and how to set it up into you know, tangible plans for people. When they first come in, what is the experience like? Now, what is experience like when they're doing relief and corrective care? And what is experience like when they're doing wellness care? And what does that look like? And to be able to evaluate and show them how they're changing, how they're getting better. If they're not changing, still they might be getting better, and they have to understand that too, and not on a subjective way of just saying, well, your pulse is on the wiry side too, or it's a little bit choppy still, so we have to continue at this rate. I don't want to have poke and play type of or pray type of way of treatments. I wanted to have a way that, that they could actually be tangible and be like, oh, it looks like, you know, this isn't right yet, so we need to keep on going. And they understood it versus me saying and relying on my interpretation or on their tongue. You know, so that's, that's pretty much what I sat down to kind of 
demystify the whole process so that it became very, um, very uh, easy for people to understand. So it seems like you've addressed one thing that was that, that's a problem that I noticed um, when I was practicing is that people like to get about 80% better and then they start to fall off. Um, exactly. Right. Maybe, oh, you know, it's kind of financially tight. And, you know, and this is even with giving them a uh, treatment plan with expectations, which it sounds like you do, but you do a little bit more in depth. You do, so do you, and I'll ask this, it might be redundant, but uh, you do, it sounds like you do give them a treatment plan with expectations. And then now being in orthopedics, it might also be a little bit easier to show them through, you know, um, muscle testing, uh, range of motion, things like that, that they're functionally getting better as well. So they have that right. feedback. Right. So you also do um, a, a follow-up, uh, you know, some people call it like, well, in the beginning they have the report of findings, but uh, it's a fancy right. way of saying, you know, here's what's going on with my intake and uh, examination. But you have a, um, a, um, follow-up where you have, okay, we're going to do this treatment plan and then a right. reevaluation. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. So I found when I had health issues, that is, you went through this intense therapy and then it's like, okay, on the last session of any given therapy, it's like, give us a call and when you need us and um, we'll see you later. And it was kind of like the trombone, the big wah-wahs, wah-wah-wah. But you went through this big, big type of thing, and it's like, oh, oh that's it? Okay. So I, I feel like it's, it was really important to have the milestones. So milestones of care, okay, so that you set things up. For, for me in my practice, I, I set up a proof concept type of thing where it's over a couple of sessions we, we see – um, how things change, like small things, not, not just the, the big things, but small little symptoms, whether it's sleep, whether it's bowel movements, energy, um, or, you know, that kink in the neck or whatever, just to kind of get that, that street cred, that, that credibility that, hey, Chinese medicine works, right? Um, mm -hmm. And other diagnostic criteria that I use uh, as part of my initial intake and, and uh, first couple days sessions evaluation tools like th those are really important and say and get the, the kind of affirmation from the patient oh I see a change that's great you know we want to keep that momentum going in, in that in the body right but after a course of treatment a series of treatment make sure that they agree to it if it's actually a contract with us with them um, I have a one-month plan that they do and then after that one month we have our first progress report so that we go through all the testing, whether it's muscle skeletal testing, whether it's pulse, tongue, qualitative and quantitative type of testing so that they get a report. So it's, it's the same amount of time as their first session that they come in. But at that point, it's a progress. It's not a reeval type of thing, seeing how we're progressing, right? So they understand that even with the term and the terminology, that you're not done yet, right? Most of the time, you know, doing 12 sessions Within a month, you know, you're, you've had a problem for 10, 20 years. Is it gone away and are you, quote, unquote, fixed? No, but it's your first progress. So somebody could have, if, if it depends on how severe the condition is, you know, three months of care, four months of care, six months of care, 
depending upon if it's an autoimmune condition, what are the, the, the factors? Or they start with a one, one month and see how they do if they just kind of dipping their toe in the water. And then we graduate them. The goal for my clinic is getting people from that high intensity three times per week, two or three times per week or more into a wellness plan. That's the ultimate goal and that kind of validates me showing that, that you know, they get the medicine, they get how it can um, help their lives. If I accomplish well, that and get into a wellness plan, I'm like, wow, that's good. Well, it is a heck of an accomplishment because, you know, there are so many, uh, so many obstacles, so many op- opportunities for miscommunication or misunderstanding with patients. So patients will sometimes not even realize they're getting better unless you have that sit down with them and reevaluate. Right. Yeah, you know, right. actually, I have been sleeping. I don't get up in the middle of the night anymore. Don't forget. They'll just right, and they have to. Yeah, right. Organic change happens, and they don't realize that they've changed unless it's the small things that we remind them, or a friend or family member, and says, "Hey, Josh, now yeah. you're you look so much better, and you're not as grumpy all the time." No. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's, right? a, that's asking a lot. I don't know if that's possible, but we don't have to come back on it. Um, but you're removing barriers. You're removing these opportunities that for miscommunication. You're maintaining that dialogue. Right. More or less. And it's important. Yeah, well, it's important because the teaching is, I think a lot of people that are in our profession, they're doing the 30-minute sessions or 45-minute uh, sessions or seeing every half hour a new patient. Now, I'm seeing on the 10 minutes, and I think that's really important to talk about, too, is because I've got patients that have been seeing for over 10 years now, and the biggest complaints that I hear other practitioners say is the quality of care isn't good. I want to get to know my patients. I know I don't feel like that, that talk time is enough, but the truth of the matter is that that's, that's not true. Now, the time that you have with somebody is I see somebody for 10 minutes and let them with needles retaining for 50 to 60 minutes, depending upon what I'm doing. The level and depth of that relationship and knowing their health is really amazing. And it's not about the time. It's about the quality and having those checkpoints along the way, too. And a lot of the times people don't want to talk about their problems all the time. And I don't either. Okay. Um, So it's something where I, if somebody needs one thing or two things to kind of get them back on track, that's that time that we have during that session that, you know, whether it's about diet or sleep or whatever, just a pearl. Because most of the time when you have a big conversation with anybody, they're going to take away either two or three items from that conversation most of the time. No, not to mention that then, then they get AccuStone, they have a treatment, and they don't remember their name or their address. Uh, right. Um, but well, happens. <laughs> those few things are really, really important. They'll walk away with a couple items. So I make sure that when we're in the treatment room, if there needs to be a value add, it's either one or two items. Okay? And so, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because I think there's just, man, I mean – it brings up some good points. Number one, why are you spending this time, the time that you do with the patient? Right. Make it count. You're there for a purpose. This isn't just social social time, okay? It's not social time for the patient. Maybe it is a little bit, but you don't right. need to spend a lot of time. So make it count. 
always have a reason for doing what you're doing. It's not just you're coming in because the patient just always does this. They always come in. They just come in and get relaxed, and they have a nap. Maybe you'll have patients like that. We all do. We have those patients that just keep coming in and for that reason. But you as a practitioner should have a reason for doing everything. It's not just arbitrary. It's not guessing. But there's also this, there's this idea that, you know, well, we're the saviors of medicine in the sense that we are righteous and we are the antithesis of Western medicine. So in Western medicine, right, exactly. rush, rush, rush. So we need to spend more time with the patients. Why, how, and why right. is that the reason why we decide what, how we're going to practice? If there's, this isn't just patients need as much time as they need. It could be 10 minutes. It could be five. It could be, you know, 20 minutes. But the point is, is that you, it's really easy to get off topic and it's really draining when you start taking on more than what the patient's coming in for and more than they need to talk about. For, personally, I'm, it could be very draining. It can be. So you have to protect yourself as well and keep it efficient and keep it, why is the patient there? And if you think, if you want to be, if you want to talk to the patient for an hour, I recommend going and being a therapist, getting your psychology degree or social worker degree, whatever, and, and doing that. And I'm being, I'm being a little facetious, but I think what happened is I think this medicine turned into something only because it's the opposite of Western medicine. You know what I mean? Like a lot of, a lot of the I, ideas, I agree 100%. Yeah, they carry that with this. They carry these ideas of what this medicine should be based on the status of the healthcare system and how we're going to be in opposition to that and be different. And that's no way to practice. Now, Robert, do you find that? Oh, I'm sorry. I just want to ask a quick question before I forgot. Do you find that patients don't want to spend that much time in your clinic? I mean, I, I had experienced that where they they kind of have want to get on with the day. Right, exactly. And I think there's some people that, that, that would couch out for three hours sure, and yeah. take it as their, their, their afternoon nap time. And mm-hmm. those people that, that I, I, when I started practicing, I didn't think anybody would come at 7 o'clock in the morning. Um, so I started at 9 o'clock. And right. now I'm open. My, my, first, my first session is at 7.30 and people are there. Who would want to take a nap at that time? That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> So I wouldn't want to take a nap. You know, that yeah. was reflective of, of me in school. But, you know, the, the truth of the matter is people want to get in there and get it done. And, you know, I've been evaluating, well, what is the minimum amount of time that, that people would want, like 30 minutes? And there's some people that want 30-minute treatments, 20-minute treatments. Yeah. And they would say, what's the least amount of time that I could be in here and still get a, an efficient type of treatment? So for everybody, it's a little bit different. But I think – now, the most important thing is, is to run on time and set the expectation at the very beginning. And if you yeah. have one session that's an hour and a half, um, I've screwed up many times and left somebody a little bit too long, and they had to run and pick up their, their kid. Mm-hmm. Or they would say, oh, you know, I, I, I can't schedule that on a Friday because, um, you know, it might run late. might run late oh, yeah. or the treatment might go longer than, than expected, so I can't count on that. And they're setting their clock by – you know, 50 minutes in and out in 50 minutes. Communication. And, right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You know, so just one, one last point on, on that last comment that you made about us being talk therapists and, and not going there. I think it's really important to understand that we're the catalyst of change or this therapy is rather. And so 
all they need is one thing that can be the tipping point to, and that can be just purely the acupuncture alone of being by themselves. Now, yeah. Talking about somebody's problems all the time is you're looking for the negative. When you just say, okay, you know, talk, somebody's talking, we've got it down, we know all the problems, and it's just a matter of implementing and getting the frequency going on the body. Talking about, hey, what happened that's good in your life? You know, getting yeah, them tuned point. in to not what's wrong, but getting them tuned in, well, what's, what, tell me something positive. A friend mm. that you met up with, whatever. You know, talk about, so after a while, I'm just shooting the shit with people. Um, because that's part of the style. We're looking for the good, and then at those, those checkpoints, we're going into more detail on, on what's good and, and what's still off. Like, I don't yeah, want to focus and be hyper-focused on the, what's wrong. Well, that, that's a great point, and I think that healing could be a lot more efficient than, than maybe, I mean, I'm, I'm somebody who used to make a mountain out of a molehill, you know, and when I started to spend less time with patients, practice got busier. It was definitely, uh, you know, um, what do you call it? It was, uh, it was the opposite of what I thought would happen or what I previously thought would have happened once I changed my mindset. It was people, people were getting, um, I thought, you know, really good quality care, but you know, that's a really good point. I never thought about it that way though, that, we were, I just wasn't spending time harping on the negative crap. It was all positive. They were there for, to get, you know, to, to feel better. We were there to address their problem and it was very efficient. Yeah. Right. You can definitely fall right. into that trap. Right. Very cool. So uh, do, you, do you want to talk more about, about your systems and, and anything else? Yeah. So, you know, just kind of summarize with things is that I think having a, a great report of findings is really important. Uh, you can do it as little as 10 minutes, okay, and you can do it as much as two or three days of each session having a, a bit of the report of findings. But, you know, having one into understanding you know, what is important with report of findings is really fine. That, that's, that's really important. And I think looking at that is report of findings, if you can basically – tell them why something's happening in their body. You've seen it before. You've gotten great results, and this is the plan and steps forward. Um, that's a great report of findings. If you can do that in 10 minutes, great. Okay. So, you know, along that the lines is having systems in place so that you can measure and track the progress of how they're doing in care. It doesn't have to be every session that, that you see that person. Is that you say, okay, you know, after a series of treatments, whether it's 10, 12, 20, Okay, you have a formal process where you say, okay, let's see where we're at right now. Okay, and go through those criteria, both quantitative and qualitative, really important. And I think something that, that's super, super important for all of us as acupuncturists is that you can specialize, and that's great. But, again, the strength of the medicine is that we can be very proactive and preventative. Okay, and people need to know that. And also – it's a monetary value as well is that we can keep people well um, because going back to the philosophy and what we do is we're stimulating the body to regain function so that it can take care and to heal appropriately. Okay. So that you poop well, you sleep well, you move well. Those are all cre uh, uh, very important criteria. That's, that's our goals for wellness is to keep our, our community healthy so if that falls in line with your philosophy of care, then that's great. And guess what? It converts monetarily as well. 
So when you're looking at any type of wellness plan, it's not just a few sessions and then they leave. You can count on revenue month over month, year over year with somebody, okay? So when we go into the relief and corrective care side, that might be anywhere from one to three to six months, right? But when they change over to a wellness plan, that's a year commitment on top of that. So when they go into the wellness plan, that's monthly revenue that I can count on coming into the clinic. So I can look and say, okay, guess what? There's a new tool that I want to buy. I want to buy a laser for the clinic. We, do we have that revenue coming in? Yes, no, okay? I can budget that. It's a line item in my budget. And also, in turn, for the patient, it works really well, too, because they have a line item in their monthly budget, say, acupuncture, $500 a month, right? They have that, and it's like, okay, this year it's 500 Next year it's 550 know, they, they know that and they can anticipate it versus getting a 10-pack where it's like, okay, that 10-pack is $1,200. That's a big whack in my budget. Should I do another one? Should I not? Versus a consistent expense across the year. Um, so right. that, that was a really important shift for me, and it was easy to do because – now, once they went through kind of like the gateway of doing relief and corrective care, they put the time, the energy, the money into their care, and their, the pricing was higher. Once they got into a wellness care, then it dropped because it was easier to keep the momentum going in their body, and then they were coming in less frequently. So the model kind of made sense. Oh, by the way, you know, your price went from up higher here to a lower price, and if you go into our wellness plan. Okay, that makes sense. Right. Right. A lot of the time. But well, at least they have like that, that checkpoint where they say, hey, you graduated, happy dance. Um, you can either do this, that, or the other. These are our two wellness options here. If not, you pay as you go, and the price is high. Or if you go into a wellness plan, the price is lower. Yeah, it's, it's a way of getting commitment to their health, commitment to their well-being, to their care. Right. And, and that's what you're doing. So, again, you're, you're communicating, and you're removing more barriers that would typically typically be there by offering them options. Robert, do you have any uh, words of advice for people that are maybe going through changes, struggles, new graduates? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, and I was guilty of it, was just overthinking of it about something and just waiting. Getting too many opinions from too, too, from many different places, and then as a result, never making action happen. So the biggest thing is, for me, I just had to say, just do it. Just do it. And, you know, as we talked about in the first one, I was afraid. I was afraid of making changes. These ones really would turn my stomach inside and out. But I had to understand and, and just kind of list things. Is this working or not? I had to do it in a very methodical way of, is this serving me or is it not? Is it serving my family or not? And then if it didn't, then I said, okay, I need to change. If not, I'm not going to be happy long-term, and it's going to be a recipe for burnout. So, sure. and that action, the big why has to be great. You know, for anybody to make change in their practice, in their finances, in their personal life relationship, or, or in our therapy, right? You know, when we're talking about the report of findings, one of the biggest ones is for somebody to go through therapy is that the why has to be big. Why do you want this? Oh, just take out the pain out of my neck. Well, why? You know, right, so right, like yeah. touch with my, my son. Why? 
you know, because it, that's the only thing that we do together. Why? You know, like those drilling down and understanding, it's not manipulation, but it's really understanding, you know, so somebody will persevere through something. And with our practice, it's the same thing. Well, you we know, have to have Robert, a big why of why we want to make this happen. Really good point there, because, you know, patients, I think we got this idea we get this idea that patients want acupuncture. They don't want acupuncture. They want a solution to their problem. What's their problem? Oh, it's pain. No, it's more than that. What are you not doing? As your quality of life has gone down, you know, how many patients that I've had come in? I used to walk five miles a day. Now I don't walk at all. Now I stay inside. And especially with people that are older too, because they need to keep moving. It's really hard for them to get going again. Once they've stopped, you know, being so active, then they really start to fall apart. What is the why? That is, that is so critical to know that they're not coming in for acupuncture. They're not coming in for their pain. They're coming in for more than that. They're coming in for a really, a, a, a more important reason than that. And yeah, well, okay, we can right. take pain, of course. Yeah, pain's keeping me up at night and I'm not sleeping. Okay, but look at all the things that that's happening. Once you get people to name that, to really understand that, it's profound. It's very profound, so... Um, yeah, I agree. And, and I think with a lot of people, if they're on the verge of burnout, that their why, why are they doing this, has to be re-looked at. Why are they doing it? What are they trying to accomplish there? Um, and, and that's really, really important because it's a risk for all of us after a certain amount of time. You know, the, the, the dating process in this medicine gets, it gets old <laughs> after a while. And then our why changes over time, right? And that's good, and that's, but that's when we have to reach outside of our community. And a lot of the times, uh, for me, I didn't have the answers for change. I knew right. that, that I was struggling in different areas, and I didn't have the answers. And, you know, like forums are good. Facebook is fine at times. But when you're looking at kind of making big changes over time or looking at your why, everybody needs help. Everybody needs help. They need a mentor or a coach to or a couple different ones, you know, and that's that's something that that is to realize that, you, that this is bigger than you. It's bigger yeah. than all of us, so that we can't do it on our own, and that we need a community of people that we trust, that have done it before, have seen it, have gone through the trenches, and that they can make yeah. help you be a catalyst for change. Well, right? one of the, the things change comes really from you. It doesn't come from that coach, right? No, no, ultimately not. And I really hope one of the things our forum does at Chinese Medicine that works is is really start a dialogue and really just have have a a support network that can be as whatever you want it to be. It could be as superficial as I'm putting a post. Not that that's superficial, but it could be as simple as putting right. a post up and getting answers, or it can be as profound as making connections with new people and other practitioners. That is probably the biggest thing about our group. The continuing education is great. The camaraderie and the and the building of relationships and friendships and, you know, relationships with colleagues is even more profound because yeah, I think yeah. historically and, there's this competition, you know, or, oh, I'm not, I'm suspicious of the other practitioner right. and that's changing. And we're looking to change that because we want people to collaborate. And that's, that's much more, I think, a larger goal of, of what, what we're trying to accomplish. And I think has been accomplished. Without a doubt. And I, I think what's really good about this group is that Chinese medicine that works, all the seminars and everything that you guys do is about making change so that you can implement Monday. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, and you can yeah. start making that difference on Monday. But oh. you know, that requires a- action, right? Doing things differently than what you've done before. Getting so out of comfort. That's really important. Yeah, exactly. And Robert, you hit on something before paralysis of analysis. You know, <laughs> better to keep moving and trying things, but actually try them. Don't don't dabble and don't move on. Give them a real try. But uh, you know, that's the hardest part sometimes is taking that step and making that change. It took me twelve. 12 years for God's sake, you know? And, uh, it was like, once it, once you make that switch though, once you make that change though, it's the light bulb comes on and it's, it just opens up so many. It's a discipline too. It's, it's a discipline that you have to practice deal. Like, you know, as, as far as like fear is what a lot of us have of making the change. What if it fails? What's going to happen? Whatever. You know, first step is, is it's a, it's a 12 step therapy process is realize that there's fear, realize that there's emotion, <laughs> and start to work through it. Just recognize it and move forward one step at a time. <laughs> it's uh, one step at a time, right? Um, That's right. Just, just, I just want, you know, everybody to know that there, there are, you know, we do have a, a great forum. Um, we do have a lot of colleagues that are excited to connect and help each other and support each other. And I think that that's something that this field was in, in dire need of. And, you know, just you, Robert, coming on and taking the time to talk um, was, you know, I hope that this resonates with someone or a bunch of people, a lot of people. And I really hope that people can take something from this. If people have questions, Robert, can they get a hold of you? If they have any questions, I mean, on the group, they can always tag you. I don't know. You know your last name. Do you want to spell your last name for yes. us? And my my last name is Y A U C K O E S, and uh, you can reach me on my email. It's Robert at acupuncture-connections.com. Yes, it's a it's a mouthful, um, but it's Robert <laughs> at acupuncture-connections.com. I really appreciate you taking the time, Robert, and uh, well, we'll see you on the group and uh, and. Uh, you know, I, I think I think your story was really important, and I really appreciate it. That's the bottom line. I mean, I really don't have anything else to say beyond that. I mean, I know we talk off the group, but I don't get a chance to say this, and I just wanted to thank you for coming on. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. Take care. Follow us on Chinese Medicine Networks Facebook group and AccuVids.com or ChineseMedicineNetworks.com. You can find all of our webinars, seminars. The podcast is on uh, iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, This one will be as well pretty soon. Uh, It takes a couple days for it to stream to iTunes. Thanks a lot, Robert. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you like the podcast, consider joining our Facebook group. Just search for Clear Path to Success Professional Development. Thank you all again.